So, Berto, you know, I, I've been asking people to send us their questions, right? And then we answer them. Yeah. I've also been more recently asking, hey, instead of asking these epic questions, how about send some short ones? Like and what so, color is your favorite? Right. Uh what what color is my favorite? You know, when I was a kid, it was purple. <gasps> okay. What what uh, when but, you say kid? Like what what about like, what age? You know, when you're four, you're asked what your favorite color is. Yeah. Probably up until you're ten or something. You know, I feel like when I was in elementary school, your favorite color was a was a frequent uh, conversation yes, topic. It definitely was. Yeah. And adults would meet you like, "What's your favorite color?" Right. Mine was black. Oh. It was. And then it modified when I turned, like when I was in my 20s, it became dark blue. Interesting. Yeah, mine modified and became sky blue eventually. <laughs> I just loved, uh, you remember the house I lived in in Lake City? Yeah. There was a lot of sky blue in the, yeah, in the bathroom and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so short questions. We're going we're gonna to answer some short questions from the listeners. What do you say? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am a therapist, and I am also a professor at a university. My name is... Um, a real university. My name was going to be... <laughs> Wait, you're a, a real university? <laughs> My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I serve ice cream, but only in scoops. This uh, question is from famous patron Lyndon, who is flying all the way out to go to the live show on January 27, 2018, Antioch University, Seattle, 3 o'clock. Come there if you want to meet all of us. Yeah. Uh, really looking forward to it. Um, famous patron Lyndon wrote in and said, What do you guys think about Jeff Goldblum's shtick? The whole pausing, laughing to himself, jerky head movement thing. <laughs> it, <laughs> is it the most awesome thing on the planet, or does it annoy the hell out of you? What do you think, Bruno? Well, first of all, should we start calling him FPL? Yeah, that's what I call him. Okay, okay, FPL. All right. Um, yeah, I, so I'm a Jeff Goldblum fan ever since I saw him in the in, in the in the flight. Because because the thing is the, the thing about time travel. <laughs> no, but it was just I, I thought there was such a weird uh, oddness to him that was fascinating, and I saw it as a kid. But even then, I was like, whoa, there's something odd about this guy. I like it. And then uh, in every movie, he sort of steals the scene. A lot of people see it as a bad thing. Like, they're like, yeah. oh, there he goes again. Yeah. It's, a, I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely, I wouldn't be upset at someone for not liking it. Yeah, absolutely. But like, have you seen Thor? Yeah. Yeah. So. I thought he was great in it. I it thought, was great. <laughs> I thought it was um, economical. Like, it, it wasn't like long scenes no. of him. It was very quick, no. quick, quick gold blooms. So they, yeah, but they used what makes him gold bloom. And it's sort of, he's aware of it. You know, yeah. it's not like he's aloof or something. Like, I think it works right. well And he like that. wasn't always like this too. It's sort of like Al Pacino, you know, the older <laughs> Al Pacino gets, the more Al Pacino Al, <laughs> he is, you know, like when you see him in The Godfather and, uh, right. you know, the, the first he's two. He's actually very sedate. Yeah. When you see him in Dog Day Afternoon, he, he's, um, he's, he's doing, he's acting. He's acting. He's a regular. Same with um, Ryan Gosling. When he was younger, uh, like The Believer, I think patron Noel asked us to watch The Believer. It's, it was one of his very first movies as an adult. He's like 19. And it's so refreshing to see him acting, you know, in the later years now, like Drive and uh -huh. even La La Land to some extent. It's the same one. <laughs> his, his thing is to be as blank as possible, you know? Right. There are, there are actors that as they age, they don't 
they they still continue to surprise you and do roles that you're like, well, I've never seen them do that. I've never seen. Whereas there's those actors that hone a persona, right? And they get hired for that persona. <laughs> yeah. So is you know is it chicken or the egg? Right? Is yeah. it the did the director choose them because they wanted that or or does the actor kind of force that into everything? Yeah. You know? It's like um, you know, in We Are the World. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Bruce Springsteen comes in. Yeah. We are the world. You know, they yeah. pay him for that G he can hit so gravelly. Yeah, yeah. He can't do that A. He can sort of do the E, but that G, man. And the thing about it is, he that's his persona. You know, you you rarely think yeah, of him. But and, sometimes, but, well, so getting back to Goldblum is, I, I think my age, I'm 46 46? Yeah, 47, 47, almost 47. 55? Um, is I grew up with Goldblum. So mm-hmm. The Fly, he was in um, Attack of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Uh, he was in, you know, uh, not Jumanji, but <laughs> uh, not Lost World. Um, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, Park yeah. <laughs> um, and, and Independence Day. Yeah, Independence Day. He, you know, he was just one of those actors, you yeah. know? And... And then very recently, similar to um, uh, to Bill Murray, there's this very strange fetishizing of him by people younger than me. Mm-hmm. So people in their 30s, like I just was on Reddit and I saw someone had a full-on Jeff Goldblum um, shower curtain. So it was a shower curtain with Jeff Goldblum and then a dinosaur riding a shark with lasers or something. And it was like this ironic, like, mm-hmm. ooh, I, I got Jeff Goldblum. You know? <laughs> and to me, I'm like, why Jeff Goldblum? I mean, there's so many other things in the world, you know? Right. People started walking around with T-shirts of Bill Murray. Reddit loves Bill Murray. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, well I, I got a selfie with Bill Murray. And I'm like, do you know how many celebrities there are? Plus, like. <laughs> Bill Murray, you know, it, the stories you hear about Bill Murray is, okay, so, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe what I heard. Bill Murray went into a bar. He went behind the bar, and oh, you're, you're, your mind's going to be blown. He served drinks to the customers. <laughs> and I'm like, where's the punchline? Okay, a super famous guy went to a bar and and served drink. Who cares? Do you know what I mean? Like, because to me, uh, Bill Murray was just he was just another one of those actors. Well, there's a lot of funny guys in the eighties, yeah. but there's this weird. Um, it's it's the same thing with uh, with Back to the Future. Like Back to the Future is a great movie. It holds mm-hmm. up today. But when I was a kid, I saw it in the theater when I was fourteen or whatever. Yeah. It was just another movie I saw. You know, you had your Terminator, you had your sure. your aliens. You know, you had your your Empire Strikes Back. You know, there it was just another movie. But for some reason, the there are certain things that survive into right. into the future with the young generation. It, and it was the, it had to have been the same when we were young. Yeah, like I fetishized the '60s. You know, and I remember one time I. Uh, I had just I was in love with the Beatles, right? So and eventually I discovered the Monkees, <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh, the Monkees! You know they have they have some great songs." And I bought their albums from <laughs> you know, the secondhand store, and I listened to the Monkees. And then I got um, I got some pins uh, on my for t- that I wore on my like um, your jacket, my yeah, 
and I'm at school, and this teacher uh, is is walking by me, and she's like, "Are those the monkeys on your on your <laughs> coat?" And you know, so this is eighty six, eighty seven, and 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 the teacher grew up in the sixties <laughs> and loved, you know, was in that time. And she's like, "Why do you have the monkeys?" Like, and I'm like, "I'm like, I I love I love music from the sixties, you know, the Beatles, the monkeys." And she's like, "The monkeys are courty." You know, she's like, you don't understand. The monkeys are a joke. And I'm like, huh? You know, because I had no context. You had no idea. To me, the monkeys were cool. Yeah. You know, later I learned they were a joke. But so anyway. You know, the Beatles, the the Beach Boys, the monkeys. Right. It was all the same to me. And so when people point to Ghostbusters and um, Back to the Future and Jeff Goldblum and Bill Murray, I'm like, you it's a it's it's doesn't compute in my brain as to why you're focusing on that like, i wonder yeah. like people who grew up in the 50s must be like why are you focusing on james dean sure like james dean was cool but there's all these other actors that you don't even know about right that had way more movies than james dean did <laughs> like why you, you know why are you fetishizing this random actor out of all the other actors that were so great in the 50s you know what i mean the other day i was walking by a group of uh, kids, like uh, young teenagers, like middle teenagers kind of thing. And they were singing, hey, now you're a rock star. Yeah. Get your game on. Go play. Right. And I like finished the song or I like I sang the la- the next line or whatever. And they were all like, what? How do you know that song? <laughs> and it was it kind of cuts both ways. Right. One is like, wait a minute. How do you know that song? But also why that song? Like what? Yeah. How did that one survive through? <laughs> right, because that song came out before they were born. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the same experience a few years ago. I, I was in a library with kids, and we were—I was training them on something, and there were—and there was a break, and kids were going off and doing different things, and listening to music and stuff. And they um, a Billy Joel song or Billy Billy one of the Billy Idol Billy Joel songs came out. Billy Idol, Billy Joel. Who can tell them apart? Well, that was the thing. So you couldn't get two more different artists, you know? Billy Idol is so different from Billy (laughs) Joel, but they thought it was, they thought it was the same person, you know what I mean? Oh. Yeah. And and I was like, I was like, oh, you know, and what did we do along those lines? You know, when we were young, when we were just like, oh my God, you have to listen to this awesome funk song by... (laughs) By like, you know, whatever, the Commodores. Yeah. You know, so if I don't want to poo-poo on people's love for Jeff Goldblum. That's great. I actually really loved him in Thor Ragnarok, you know, um, and in um, the hotel, the Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, right. was, he was good in that, too. Um, I think that there's a chance that his shtick could get a little... I could get a little over the top if he... Like, I feel like Thor Ragnarok actually... The director kind of kind of reined him in a sure. little bit, you know, because he he delivers lines like there's lines that he delivers yeah. that aren't like all gold bloomed up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when he's like he's like, why are you handing me that? Yeah, why are you handing me the the liquid stick or the? Yeah, you know, the, this the, is he just interrupted. He me. just interrupted me. Yeah, <laughs> like there's lines that he's delivering that are actually funny. He's doing it in a little bit of his style, but he's not completely ruining it with his affectation. You know. B- by the way, have you seen Justice League? Yeah. We need to do a Justice League episode to counteract all the hate. Well, let's just talk about it right now. This, All right. <laughs> this is one of those 
junk pile episodes. But okay, so do you remember how upset I was that everyone trashed Batman v Superman? Yeah, I was. We, we I, did an episode. I, yeah, I wasn't super upset, but I was just a little boggled because I was like, "Yeah, that's a six out of ten. You know, it's it's not a one out of ten. Okay, I I was upset, and I'm even more upset now for the following reason. And I, I finally honed the argument in my head because. At first, I was going down the line of, well, so many people liked it. How could you be right? But clearly, that can't hold up because I have things that I think are great, even though they're not super popular and stuff like that. So I thought, all right, what is it? What is it that annoys me? And part of it is, you know, the amount of money and number of people that work on these things. And we have all, and I'm guilty because I've done this with the, the episode one and all that stuff. We've all gotten to this point where we're so cynical yeah. and we are so vicious. Particularly with certain topics. With, yes. Like, like a Star Wars movie yeah. or, or a hero movie. And, right? like, and I've been, I, like, look, I'm throwing my first rock at my face, right? You've heard me, yeah. right? I've been so vicious about things like episode one. But to be fair, episode one is complete garbage. Where is what I'm about? <laughs> no, but, but the truth is that as I sat there and I realized, okay, first of all, I definitely enjoyed Justice League. Yeah, I think I gave it a, I think I gave it a six, if I'm not mistaken. I would Which give, to me means, like, definitely watchable probably best as a rental you know what yeah I mean? so i actually liked it a lot better i'd give it like a 7.5 or something but the point is what i will not do is call it a heaping pile of trash right so that's there was the nothing part. about it that was a heaping pile of trash you, you want to sit there and tell me all the things that annoyed you about it that's great do you want to hear the ones that annoyed me about the avengers about thor ragnarok yeah. like there's things yeah there, there's a culture around this that highly affects not only the ratings on the internet but also um, I listen to podcasts where there are very snooty uh, movie reviewers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it even gets under their skin too. <laughs> there, there's this thing where they they hate the DC movies. They just do. Yeah. And there's nothing, no matter how you know okay Justice League could be, right. they will hate it. Right. And no matter how questionable an Avenger movie is, they're going to love it. Yeah. The same with Fast and the Furious. At some, somewhere around Fast and Furious 5, uh, the um, the reviewers started falling in love with those movies. Like oh. we're talking like <laughs> snooty mu- movie NPR people talking really? about how wonderful Fast and Furious <laughs> six and seven was. It's and, like doing that with Saw, the Saw series. Yeah, and I'm just like, have you seen the movies? Because <laughs> you know, now if you if you if you enjoy it, you know, great. But or if you don't enjoy it, great. But to claim that Justice League is empirically bad, do you know what I mean? Especially yeah. Justice League, honestly, because Batman v Superman was in a particularly dour tone. You know what I mean? Sure. Justice League is so much like an Avengers movie. Well, I, I would say that uh, you know, to me, the the big difference between Justice League and any Marvel movie is that in Justice League, I actually feel consequence and uh, sort of like sadness Ugh. because because you know they, they, not me well like when they oh spoiler alert by the way oh shit <laughs> dude you might need to rewind that because that's a big one anyways there is a moment in the justice league where i thought wow i actually feel that a character could get hurt um i i feel like there are there are real consequences consequences to what's happening right now. I didn't. I I I I with Justice League and with the Avengers movies. By the way, I don't even understand what 
could possibly kill Thor. I have I have no idea what could possibly kill um, Captain America. Do you remember you know? that scene in the Avengers where uh, Tony lifts up his T-shirt and his whole back is injured because he's just a human? Oh, no. That was Injustice, Injustice League. League. Right. Because they actually right. show the difference in power scales. Right. But do I ever, it, at Injustice League, was I once worried about any of those characters, I wasn't. I think that I think that that's a the, the, that's the, too cynical then because because like no, it's just it's just me with all these movies. Like, no, but I mean, the, sure, sure, the only mean, the only here movies that I actually worry about people are uh, like Ant Man. I actually because Ant Man, he's just Paul Rudd walking around in a suit. Like he doesn't have you know when he gets small, he has like you know strength and stuff like that. But I remember actually being worried. Um, Iron Man in the first. In the first Iron Man movie, like I legitimately worried about Iron Man in that first movie. I, I guess I actually I have the reaction with Marvel movies. By the way, I love Marvel movies, but I have the reaction that uh, I don't think anything bad will ever happen to almost anyone in a Marvel movie. Right. But and I, I feel the same way about Justice. League. But I don't feel that way about Justice League and DC because I've seen bad things happen. Number one. Like the whole dark, but Wonder Woman. I mean, she can't die. No, but I'm not saying. Look, of course, part of me knows that. Look, are they going to kill off these? Of course not. But at the same time, well, I mean, say what you will, but they did kill Superman, right? Like, uh, and and the other aspect of it is, I will never expect to see Batman doing something unrealistic by their by the the realm of that that we're operating in versus yeah. if you look at like the black widow and all these they're being you know like they're doing some crazy stuff no I, human could come close to being able I, to I wish all of those heroes ha- I wish they spent more time making me feel as though they could actually be hurt because these are these are action movies they're you know if you're going if, mean- if you're going if you're going to define these movies these are battle movies right they're well, like but spoiler alert well, no, don't spoil. No, this is not a huge one. But do you remember one of the characters broke their leg in uh, in the Justice League? Uh, do I remember that? Um, no. Oh, was it broken? Well, it was very injured. It was injured. Very injured. But it quickly uh, recovered. <laughs> well, but that doesn't even happen in the in the Marvel side, yeah, right? Uh, well, I'm not saying Justice League is you know better or worse. I'm, I'm anyway. The point is, is like. Justice League was a solid movie. It had an it had a clean plot for the most part. Um, there were some wonky kind of hand wavy things that they were doing to kind of move the plot along. They they like, bit off a lot of that was hard to chew for the for the writer in that they had to introduce like three new characters. You know, but like most of the complaints I hear, you know, because I I heard a ton of reviews and things. A lot of them center around. And I'm totally paraphrasing. I've read every single comic on these things. And here's a list, a litany of very pedantic, geeky points to me. Right. But, but like one of them was, oh, they picked this one bad guy to be the bad guy. Uh, that's silly because of all these reasons. And I'm like, I don't know any of the bad guys they've picked in the Marvel movies ever. Right. Even the time when they when they revealed Thanos was going to be, yeah. I didn't I didn't even know any of those stories. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and that's fine. Like if that bugs you, you know, imagine if someone rebooted Star Wars and like Darth Vader didn't exist or yeah. something. You know, you just be like, what? You know, that's fine. You can complain, but most of the reviewers are just saying 
it's just like a terrible movie. Like it's bad, badly written, yeah. badly acted. Ben Affleck's a joke, and it's just like, um, no, like the movies. It, I would. It, what I would love to do is take these reviewers, just erase their brain about DC, and just say, here's a new movie about yeah. about you know Batman and stuff. Yeah. Watch it. What did you, you know, what you, don't worry about the world. Just like, did you enjoy yourself for, <laughs> the, for the hour and a half that right. you watched this, this frivolous, it's a, f- that's the other thing. These movies are fucking frivolous. You know, <laughs> these aren't like Shakespeare, you know, these are, these are popcorn movies. So the, the level at which people seriousness that they take these things, I'm just like, you don't understand what movie going is for. Like you're supposed to sit down, <laughs> take in the story and just have fun, you know? I think for me, the reason it's more emotional with DC um, is that I was at a very young, impressionable age when the first Superman came out, and it really made an impact on me. Right. Because I, I, there was this combination of I wanted to live in the United States, and I looked up to the ideal of the American dream and yeah. all these things. Well, so, so, that's, so that's getting back to my other point of like – when I was growing up, that movie was way bigger than Ghostbusters or Back to the Future. I yeah. mean, the the Chris, the Christopher Reeves right. uh, first Superman movie was so epic and so America, you know, yeah. and so um, uh, enticing to young boys, you know. And and the thing is, if if you watched it now. There is so much cheesy stuff right. yeah. and bad scenes and he, bad he, editing he, and everything. He reverses time by, by, by turning it's the horrible. earth backwards. It's horrible. Yeah. And yet, it was great. Yeah. And, and, and to say with a straight face that what we've just watched is a heaping pile of shit. Right. Well, I want to get into another thing that's bothering me. I hope me. that answered the question, Patron Linden. I, I, I want to get into another thing that's bothering me about um, nerds, about EA and all that kind of stuff, but let's take a break first. All right, we're back from the break. Um, so if you haven't become a patron of the podcast, do so now. Go to patreon.com. When you become a patron of the podcast, you get access to all of our premium episodes, and you don't have to listen to any ads for the most part. Also, I published my book called Multi-Role Clinical Supervision, which is available on Amazon. I, I, I'm not going to say I don't check five times a day to see how many people bought it. Um, and I'm not going to say that every person who buys it, I notice. Um, <laughs> so uh, go on Amazon, buy it now if you're interested in that book. Also, join the Facebook fan group. I never go on that page. Uh, it's run by Famous Patron Linen or FPL. Um, also, join Talkspace. Uh, they became a sponsor again for December. And they, uh, you have to use the promo code Kirk. So it's an online therapy thing. If you're looking for a therapist and you're having trouble finding one, or you're just interested in maybe supplementing counseling or something, and you talk to your therapist and they say it's okay, go to Talkspace.com, use the promo code Kirk, you'll get a discount. And it'll also signal to them that you're one of my listeners and they'll continue being a sponsor. It's, it's, really, it's really a big deal for us. Is okay. FPL like the, the friend propul- propulsion laboratory or something? Yeah, JPL. Um, so... What do you what do you think about the whole EA thing that's been going on? Oh, uh, with Battlefront, like Star Wars Battlefront yeah. Two or whatever. Yeah. Um, my understanding was that they came out with this leveling system that was unfair because uh, you had to pay all this money to unlock some yeah. some of the higher levels. It wasn't le- no, it's not leveling. It's like um, perks to your character yeah. that, that give you an advantage over 
uh, other characters on the multiplayer. When you're right. when you're but battling, you can earn it. You can earn it. It just takes uh, like a forty hours to earn it. Oh no, something. no, more hours than that. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so people were understandably. I I, d- I don't like all these farm bills and all these things that just like milk you for money. I think that it's unfair. But my but my understanding is that there was like a very aggressive yeah. backlash. Right. Right. And like they threatened the. It wasn't there like death threats to the yeah. producers and yeah. things. It, it, again, it, in terms of my cultural pocket reacting to that cultural pocket, because it dominated, it still dominates Reddit today, actually. Like uh-huh. Reddit, the front page is just filled with this kind of stuff. And, and I, I uh, bought the game and played it. Yeah. And I don't play game, I don't play multiplayer anyway. So I don't really care. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and to me, it's like, if you don't want to play it, then... Return it! Yeah, don't... Get your money back. Or don't buy it, you know? Yeah. Like, there's so many other multiplayer games you can enjoy. Like, you, one, you could just enjoy the old Star Wars Battlefront that came out a year ago. That one's, that one's still a fun game. Like, the most that. effective thing you could do is write your feedback succinctly and, and politely, return the game, and say, hey, I'm returning the game because of this. Yeah. If you change it, I might consider buying it back. If enough people do that... They'll change it to whatever you want. Right. And us, you know, and I suppose in essence, that is what the nerd ragers are doing. They are, they're speaking out. But the, the amount of um, mirth, you know, that comes out in these people, it's just like, it's a video game. Yeah. It's just a game among tens of thousands of other video games. Now, as a Star Wars fan, I get that you really want your Star Wars stuff to be good. But think about all the Star Wars games that have come out over the past, like, 10 years. There's been some poopers, you know? Man, it's, again, I'll say it again. I'm so guilty of this myself. It's this feeling of entitlement. We are entitled to the top-tier entertainment. And if it doesn't live up to what we want and demand, hell will rain down. If, if, you, if you rely on video games for this much of your life, I, I have to say, uh, there's something out of balance, you know? Because yeah. to me... Pretty much every video game I play now disappoints me because because they don't they don't give me the feeling I got when I was in my twenties when I played a video game, <laughs> you know? and so like I'm like uh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I could see how people would like that but uh, kind of bored you know moving <laughs> on you know so I'm just so maybe I'm not I'm obviously not the target audience for this sort sure. of stuff but but to me I, I just feel like uh, as I was watching it I was just like you know day one of it I'm like wow okay maybe this EA thing you know. Maybe they'll hear hear this yeah. and they'll roll it back, and then it, and then it became yeah. And then as EA started kind of dicking around with it, there became this very entitled voice. You know, it, it, to me, it's like if if you go to your grocery store, like actually, here we go. So the grocery store up the street, the Safeway up the street. Whenever I go, it's the closest grocery store to my house. Yeah. Whenever I go there. The lines are always super long. They never have enough cashiers. Mm-hmm. There's, there's never, there's always, uh, you know, stations without cashiers, and there's super long lines. I remember one time, I went in there, and there was a line. There was one cashier, and there was a line that went. You know how like they have the cashier stations, and then on one wall there'll be like the the wine section, mm-hmm. you know, it's way over to the wall. Right. The line went all the way to the wine section. Oh, no. So we're talking like, I don't know, maybe like 30 people in, wow. in one, in one, in one line. line. Yeah. And if you're in the back of that line, that's probably like, oh. that's probably literally like 55 minutes. You wow. Know what I mean? 
And so I, I was like so fed up because it'd been, it'd been sort of a progression of this sort of stuff. I like went to the manager. I found him because he was, you know, there were plenty of employees around, but just none of them were being cashiers. You know what I mean? And I go to the manager. I'm like, there's one line and it's like an hour long. And he's like, oh, okay. And so he, you know, manages to get one more person, you know. And after a while, now, I could, I could post on Reddit about safe about that. It's just that yeah. one Safeway. Two other Safeways are fine. There's something wrong with that Safeway. I think. Right. I could, you know, petition outside. I could get upset, and but instead, I just said, "I'll just drive down the street and go to the QFC." Yeah. Yeah. Choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know. If you don't like Battlefront 2, Star Wars, just play another one of the thousands of other awesome multiplayer games that yeah. are available to you and have fun doing and you know, maybe write one bad review and just, you know, just right. Buy an independent game. There's a lot right. of really great indie games out right now, you know. Part of it is this feeling of immediate gratification. Like I want because if if we all had a sense of well, it's it's not going to affect me anytime soon, but I think if I write a well thought out you know short uh, review that about what I didn't like, and then basically I move on to something else, maybe they'll come around, but it'll take a while. Maybe they won't. Right. But but we want this now. We want it fixed. I well, want my pleasure. I'm going to extend that a little bit and say that it's not now. It's like how come they're not listening to us? Mm. How dare they right. not listen to us? It, it was the same thing with you know Rick and Morty, that whole stuff. Yeah, right. You know, it's like you realize you guys don't own the TV show, right? You realize <laughs> that uh, Dan Carmen and that other guy, it's their show. Yeah. And you just happen to like it. Yeah. And if you don't like where it's going, then that's... that's Jump off the train. That's You don't own that thing. You can send a letter and you can you can request things, but if they don't listen to you, tough shit. I feel like you're lecturing me about episode one, <laughs> <laughs> and like and like uh, um, with well, no, you were never like that. You were right. just you no. Were the just truth incensed. is, it's not like I sensed the death writers. Well, it wasn't like you thought, okay, George Lucas is going to hear me. Like right. at no at no point did right. you think. Well, now George Lucas will surely listen to me, right, right, right. you know, and and if and the few other people sure. that are, and with the with the EA thing, it's like as soon as I figured out what was happening, I was like, oh, I get it. EA is trying to rake it in, you know, the, the, yeah. because because what what's going to happen is that you know some people aren't going to play it or they're not going to buy it because they don't like that loot crate situation, right? But enough people are going to buy it, and so. Per so they did a they did an analysis and said like per person, um, we are going to make much more on average. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to lose some customers. We're going to maybe lose the hardcore gamers that like to play. Mo- but we're but but this is a this is a widespread game. You know this is yeah. a middle class uh, suburban game for everyone. You yeah. know like I bought it for crying out yeah. loud. You know and so like we're going to suck in a lot of people. And these are people who play Farmville and stuff. You know, these are people who don't, who you know, get sucked in this. They might play one game a year, and and you know, they have disposable income, and so they'll buy the game for sixty bucks, and they might, you know, maybe they'll throw down another fifty bucks to get this extra stuff. Right. And and they're you know, so as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I get it. EA is applying a well-known money mark money making scheme. Mm-hmm to perhaps the biggest title that will come out in this year. Right. And okay, I get it. And and but for me, 
I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, it's not important enough to me yeah. to plop down another hundred bucks just so <laughs> I can compete against other right. people on multiplayer. So I'm just not going to do yeah, that. Yeah. I was hearing it would take you to max out. You could spend like 2,500 bucks or something like that. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's a little exaggerated because if you wanted to get everything, yeah. you know what I mean? But if you wanted to be competitive or something like with the right guns and stuff, yeah. I think it's, it's a lot less than that. But the point is, is like, I was like, okay, so I get it. Um, it's, you know, it's like there are certain games that I get into like, um, like phone games or something. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you know, like candy crush or something. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point I'm like, Oh, I see. They ramp up the difficulty and they get you addicted. And at a certain point, the only way you can progress is if you actually plop down some money and yeah. buy some buy some uh, extras. You know what I mean? And I and I was like, I get it. This is a free game, but this is how they end up making their That's money. That's how they make their money. And there's probably a lot of people who plop down ten, twenty, thirty bucks here. Yeah. And that's how they make their money. I get it. This is where I jump off this ship. This is where I stop playing this <laughs> game because that's how they get you. Like if I plop right. down two bucks now. How easy it now that they have my credit card? How easy it for, is it for me when I'm up late at night and I need to get to the next level that I'm just going ah, it's just another two bucks to buy that extra thing. Well, and it's and it's interesting how maybe for folks that were used to video games from before, it feels so much more insulting because I, I there was this car game that I loved on my phone, but it was like that free, free to download, and then you could pay for upgrades, right? right. But I was pay, playing it without upgrading, without paying for anything and just trying to do as good as I could in every race. And I, I, like you said, I got to a point in the game where I have to go up against this boss character and I'm like, oh, I've got my car so maxed out. There's no way. And I had been beating every single one up to that. And I go and I play and I lose. I'm like, well, okay. And then I try again and I lose. And I try and I keep optimizing, optimizing. And I can't beat it. And then I realize... I think it's impossible. I think I need to buy this nitrous thing. Yeah. And so I finally, I bought it. I got through and I was like, uh, and then that was it for me. Right. That was it. Right. Then you're like, okay, move it. I'll play a different game. And ironically, because like, well, you, you, it was free. But ironically, I would have paid them up front for the game. Right. But it's the fact that they tricked me and then forced me in that moment to make a decision. Right. That I felt a little betrayed. Right. Now, is it, is it, did I lash out? No, I just felt like, okay, well, this is not for me. This method is not for me. Right, yeah. It, it is, you know, you could say it's tricky, and I suppose it is. It's playing with your emotions to some extent, you know what I mean? They know that yeah. point where it's like, you know, this will suck them in, will, you know, will get them into the routine. You know, they have it's an algorithm. drug addict. Thing. Well, they have an algorithm, you know, they yeah. know. They know what works. You know, Candy Crush right. is actually a really, really good example because, the, the lights and the colors and it's candy yeah. and the sounds, man, the sounds of Candy Crush are so involved in the addiction. I honestly do find it predatory though because I'm an adult, but if the younger you are, then it starts feeling even more creepy. Well, you know? that's in my, to me, that's where guidance comes in, you know, like, like how many kids have access to a credit card? Like if you have a kid who has, who has a phone who they and they can play whatever they want without being monitored at all or an iPad or something and they have a credit card and they can rack up a bill to me something's wrong with that like yeah. uh when i was a kid I, just because the technology is there to allow that to happen yeah 
doesn't mean that it it's it's a good model for life. You know, when I was a kid, if if I wanted to blow a bunch of money, the max I could blow would be what I had in my in drawer, yeah. which was probably like eighteen dollars right. on a, on a good month. You know what I mean? And so like. You know, right. and if I had my dad's credit card, you better believe I would have blown uh, hundreds of dollars on Atari right. cartridges or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so to me, it's like the excuse about well, it's predatory to kids. It's like, well, how come your kids are playing stuff and you're not even you're not even monitoring it? Yeah, no, right. I think, but it's sort of along the lines of. Um, so as a kid, I used to love car- uh, uh, commercials. It, it, during cartoons, you know, like Saturday morning cartoons, and then they'd have commercials. Uh, but the reality is, and I guess business is business, but a lot of those commercials were highly engineered yeah. to manipulate the hell out of kids, yeah. right? And so, is uh, it up the to the parents? Commercials are designed to uh, manipulate uh, adults, whatever target right. audience they're hitting. But is it up to the adults to moderate and you don't just give in to everything the kid wants? Of course, of course. But there, there are boundaries. You know, there are boundaries. So, for example, yeah. the, um, recently there was this huge scandal on YouTube because all these channels that are targeted towards kids were using practices to um, sort of like game the tag system to get tons and tons of hits. And then the content they were putting on there was not for kids. Like, it was super disturbing. And kids were watching it because what happened is adults would install YouTube Kids, which is a, an app that they could install, and they would just plop, you know, like, here, watch uh, Princess Sophia or whatever. But then after that one ended, another one starts playing automatically, and those would be the auto-recommended ones. And so k- kids were getting exposed to, like, super questionable content. Right. So, okay, that's an extreme, right? Like, right. All well, of- I'm sure YouTube adjusted their algorithms. To- well, not, a- not after... I mean, they did because they just lost... Like billions in sponsorship overnight. Like Kraft not only pulled out of YouTube, they pulled out of Google or Mars. Sorry, Mars. Mars said, we are suspending all our global advertisement through all Google things until they address this. And so they had to remove hundreds of thousands of videos. So the the original nerd rage that happened that I... And I'm a nerd. We're nerds. We're nerds. I play Dungeons and Dragons. We're Revenge We're... of the what was it? <laughs> <laughs> and and so like um, the nerves. That's what it was. I, I uh, yeah. When you reference other episodes, <laughs> it doesn't help. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, anyway, so I get it. I get upset like other nerds do at things. It's fine. But when the whole Lindy West thing happened, do you know Lindy West? She's she's a Lindy Seattle West. feminist writer for The Stranger. Anyway, no, I didn't hear about this. Um, she started talking about, I think, like, she started questioning whether or not rape jokes. This was like five or six years ago or maybe maybe eight years ago or something. I can't remember the exact thing. but it, Or no, she was talking about video games, I think. Anyway, she ran into some kind of nerd rage uh, button. She pressed some nerd rage button. And she's not even like a huge name, you know what I mean? She, but But... She ended up getting completely harassed and attacked oh. by by this by nerd rage. Oh wow! By internet people, video game people, or something. I think she was saying something like, you know, video games are sexist or something. You know, it's like a lot of exploitation of women's bodies and stuff. Or I can't remember what she was saying. This outrage machine, though, it is beyond nerds at this point. Yeah, right. But the nerd, the nerd rage has a consistency to it. That's that's true. Yeah. That that is 
very distasteful yeah. and is so counter to my morals, you yeah. know, and so destructive, I think, and really misrepresents nerd community, I think. Um, and essentially, as far as I can tell, they're either just massively echo chambered misogynists, you know, just like very much propagandize around like what feminism is or something. Um, or they're legitimate psychopaths who just, this is their, this is their home, yeah. you know, 4chan and stuff. And so, um, either way, when they end up going crazy about EA, which I don't even know if it's the same group, honestly, but it feels similar. Yeah. I, I immediately have a visceral reaction against it because of the history of this group, you know, right. like, like with Rick and Morty, right? It's like, um, there were some of them that were extremely, um, hostile right. about the idea that Harmon would hire some women, women writers who, according to you, were present from the beginning or something, right? Oh, uh, not necessarily from the beginning, but what I was saying was that a lot of the themes that they're accusing the women writers of introducing were present from the beginning. With Harmon, yeah. 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 It's, it's, this, it's this very um, regressive, harmful to unf- – it's unfair. Right. And if I was a woman – and I read some of the stuff that was that was being you know written about the Rick and Morty stuff from this what I believe to be a very small percentage of people, but very yeah. but they're very vocal. They're very a very vocal, vocal minority, minority on yeah. the internet. I would be scared. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be like, these are my fellow Americans. Yeah, these are supposed to be nice kids who who watch cartoons. You know, these are supposed to be nerds who are supposed right. to be like these aren't like KKK members. A lot of them sound like that that guy that did that. Rampage killing a few years ago. Right. Um, you know, recently... I still get emails about on a daily basis, by the way. Um, People saying that they respect him. Yeah. yeah. Recently, uh, just like the last few days, there was the outrage uh, against the New York Times on Twitter. Did you follow that? No. Uh, New York Times posted an article uh, where they were interviewing... Uh, basically, it was called uh, Hate... Something like Hate in middle America or disguised in middle America or something like this. And they were interviewing some uh, white supremacists that live in Ohio, I think. Uh, and it was sort of a profile of the, of them. And the article didn't preach or, or make a point of it of its own other than profiling the people. But as I read it, I, I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is the scary reality is that there are these people that live in quote unquote, Normal neighborhoods with yeah. quote unquote normal people, and then what they say is essentially they 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 think not, uh, Hitler wasn't so bad. They support Nazis and all these things. Well, there was this huge backlash against the New York Times on Twitter. This Twitter storm because it's like they're normalizing racism, they're normalizing uh, Nazis. Yeah. And now, even if let's say that they have a point that like they want to debate, what what gets me is. Since everything gets dialed up to eleven, everything is an outrage. Everything is equal then nothing is outrageous yeah. and everything gets normalized. So you have, you know, one minute Harvey Weinstein for 40 years or 50 years raping women, yeah. abusing them like crazy. Yeah. But you get like the same noise the next day because of an article or because of something else. or because. Yeah. And so I'm like, guys, people, gals, everyone, yeah. can we like discern a little better? Right. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 there were two things happened in the, within the same – like 10 day period. One was the whole EA 
thing with Battlefront uh-huh. 2. And the other thing was net neutrality. Oh, right. And the 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 net neutrality thing had the same um, amount of legs on Reddit yeah. as the EA as thing. The EA thing, yet one was super important to a lot of to most people. Yeah. And the other one was this transitory thing about one video game. Right. And, and, and it's, 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 so that's the thing. Now, this this sort of argument gets on my nerves sometimes because it's like you and I are talking about Justice League, and you know, and so you could easily say there's more important things to talk about than Justice League, right? Yeah. There, there's global warming. There's war atrocities. There's famine. There there are people. There there are millions upon millions of people in the world right now who don't even have electricity, right? Like they don't have electricity. Yeah, they don't have running water. You know, there there are millions of people who don't have electricity, and they don't have running water. Right, and they don't have a place to go to the bathroom, and they don't know where they're going to eat, and they're being exploited by you know warlords in the area, and they they don't have internet, they don't have police uh, help, they don't have health, you know, they don't have any health care, and we're talking about Justice League, so. I hate it when people make those comparisons about like, how dare you talk about such a fr- you know? There's only like a few things you're you could ever talk about in, in according to that metric. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think the difference in my mind is um, in the same day, both things surfaced. Yeah, war atrocities in Uganda, and then you and I go online and start a petition for the public execution of Zack Snyder because of Justice League, <laughs> right. and. It's the level, the extreme, yeah. and it right? and it sa- it feels the same to some. Um, well, that's why I don't go on Twitter because yeah. Um, the I, little I, one, I'm I don't understand the interface of Twitter. Like yeah. it, when I go on Twitter, it's just a gobbledygook of like it's all these things I just don't care about. Yeah. Like uh, like. If like Reddit, for instance, I, I remember hearing about Reddit, and I remember being like, "Oh, Reddit's probably dumb. It's probably like this weird like internet thing." Mm-hmm. The first time I went on it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is beautiful! <laughs> it's like it's a perfect. Uh, it's simple. There's no bells and whistles. The ads are very small. Like it, it's under like it. It instantly became useful to me. You know yeah. what I mean? Twitter. I've you know Twitter's been around for a long time, and as a as a podcaster, I keep trying to like revive my Twitter account, our Twitter account. And every time I try to do, like every six months, I'll be like, you know what, I should really start doing the Twitter thing, <laughs> you know, because you know people, everyone's Twitter, all podcasts, every podcast tweets, you know. Yeah. And so you know people want to tweet about you know that's that's the platform, right? Right. And every time I get into it, I'm like. What am I, I? I don't get this shit. You know, yeah. like I, I mean, I get what it is, and I get what the functionality is, but the interface is just so jumbled. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? No, I totally know what you're saying. That's why I also don't don't do it. Whereas Reddit, it's like there are th- the th- or Facebook, for instance, like there's structure. Yeah, there's structure yeah. to it. And there's like a there's like a combing. Now, I know on Twitter you can go through and unfollow like you can silence certain things or but yeah. isn't the point of following someone that you get to see their tweets? Yeah. <laughs> so why would you follow them? You know what I mean? So to me it's like if if I if I went on Twitter, I would follow like five people. Right. Cuz they put out enough tweets to entertain me, I suppose. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the way you were describing Reddit when you first experienced it, 
uh, and this is going to sound totally bizarre, but when I first experienced 4chan, I felt the same way. But keep in mind, this was back in like yeah. 2008. 4chan is basically, the format is basically Reddit, right? Uh, it's even more linear, if you can imagine. Okay. Like, like literally, the website hasn't changed forever, and right. it's 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 a it's just it's forum based, yeah. comment comment page based. You know? Oh, and and to be fair, I'm specifically talking about 4chan slash B, which is the random section, the ad hoc section, which is where nowadays. It is just a cesspool. What happened is when I first tried it years and years ago, there was like 30% really interesting stuff. And you would find out about news stories way before other things. And and there were really interesting discussions, discussions about physics and about stuff. And then there was another 60% fluff. And then there was like a 10% of of the worst of the worst. But they would probably be relegated to certain threads or stuff, right? Um, certain they, pages. they just didn't happen as often or you knew how to avoid them or whatever. But then over the years, it became that 10% became the 100%. <laughs> right. Yeah. For whatever reason, 4chan became associated with Pepe and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and then it just, it, then it just like yeah. attracted that thing. And, and, and it, for people who want like not that, they just go to Reddit because Reddit yeah. doesn't have any of that. Yeah. Be, and if and if anyone ever does get on that, they get banned from certain, you know, certain channels or whatever, sure. or they just get downvoted to the point where you never see that, you know, because because you when you look at it, only the yeah. upvoted comments get to the top and stuff. Anyway, um, so here's a question from Patron Eric: What do you and Umberto think about recreational marijuana usage, and possibly what do you think of it regarding mental health? What do you think? So as I've talked about in the podcast, I've had bad personal experiences with uh, cookies. Um, that I, got said, into a, I got into a big argument with pe- uh, people who know that guy, by the way, at, at the Halloween party. Did you hear oh, about that? I did not. <laughs> so, so if you didn't know the story, Berto went to someone's house and the guy had a pot or, or hash-infused cookies, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and One gram of hash per cookie. And he, and this guy, who's a friend of yours, knows that you don't smoke pot. That's right. Or at least knows you've never smoked pot with him. Yeah, that's right. And this guy is a, he, he's a purveyor of pot, so yeah. he probably knows his friends that smoke and who don't. He yeah. knows you don't smoke pot. And he said... Um, he said something like, oh, these are magical cookies. Yeah, and I was eating the rest of his food, which was delicious. Which He's was not pot-infused. Which is not pot-infused. And then, and and then said, next oh, you should, you should have a cookie. They're magical. They're magical. Yeah. And, and I, and I and, super and so, naively assumed it's not naive. Made, it's a delicious cookie. Yeah, that's, that's not naive. That is normal that's, human logic, okay? Right. We've established <laughs> you have an IQ in the 99.9 percentile. <laughs> if your brain interpreted that as like, as like a good cookie... And so you ate one, and then you and ate it was an- delicious. And you ate another one, and then you ate another one. By the way, if the cookie had tasted like dusty or something or whatever, I would have certainly not eaten a second one. But it tasted like a delicious apricot but, walnut cookie. But one bite of that would have would have done something to you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so you complete so you were completely overdosed on pot. Yeah. So I'm at we're at this Halloween party, and this this topic comes up somehow, and. 
I, I get into a debate with these two people okay. about it. And, and they're like, their thesis was, you're stupid. Their, their thesis was, Umberto is stupid. For he you. should have known. He should have known. Right. Like, he said it was, oh, eat this cookie. It's magical. So I didn't even know that the guy was feeding you food. Yeah. Like, so he's feeding you food. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, try this cookie. It's magical. Yeah. Like, to them. And it, and it wasn't even like, try this cookie. It's magical. No, there was a, a pile of cookies in a plate next to the rest of the food. And he said, try a cookie. They're magical. Yeah. So to me, I was just like, this is massively irresponsible behavior. It's actually a pet peeve of mine because I've heard of this before. My thesis to, your, to these other people who know this guy who dosed you yeah. <laughs> accidentally, he let Umberto eat hash on the level that even a, a hardcore hash user would never take. Right. And by the way, he was so unaware that he thought he honestly thought I had had one cookie, but which by the way would have been one too cookie much. would have been too much. Yeah, right. But but when I told him I had had three cookies, he was in complete shock. <laughs> right, because you know he was like he himself who does daily uh, smokes hookah all that stuff. He was like he would never eat more than one cookie. Right. So so, <laughs> so your these other friend these other mutual friends were like just badgering me just like well now you're stupid because you think that you know that umberto was not stupid you know and i'm like i don't think umberto was being stupid at all you know given this scenario and right. i didn't know that he was feeding you food and then offered right. you a cookie they know that <laughs> so anyway um uh, what do you think about recreational ma- marijuana usage patron eric wants to know i actually um well, first of all my my global stance on drugs is that uh, making them illegal causes more problems than than it helps. Totally. Number one. Number two, I think in the spectrum of drugs, having been massively overdosed on pot, I think pot is the least of our worries. Right. Less than cigarettes and alcohol. Right. <laughs> um, well, less than alcohol. Anyway. I've certainly had way more problems with alcohol in my life than I have had uh, with that one time right and so um anyways that's just of course my anecdotal experience but uh, what i will say is if someone is an adult and no and does it responsibly meaning in a safe place and you know they they don't do it when it's going to affect their work or other things i view it as responsible self-dosing of any other pleasure thing like eating delicious meal or an alcohol or a movie they enjoy but to the extent of that, that's that's if it doesn't affect the lives of those around them in a negative way. Like, I'd say the same thing about alcohol. Yeah, let's take a break. and we get back, let's continue talking about pot because there's another patron who has some more questions. All right, we're back from the break. So another patron wrote in and said, I am an LMFT from Alabama. I listened to your podcast on marijuana from 2016, and it was great. And I'm trying to remember the episode we did on marijuana in 2016. But anyway... Um, as a therapist in my in a university city with a party reputation, I continually have new clients come in who talk about smoking weed every day. I believe they'd benefit from antidepressant medication because they also suffer from um, anti because they also suffer from depression and, and anxiety. Um, however, any medical professional will tell these guys that they cannot smoke weed while taking this med. That's the company line. But I don't believe they'll quit smoking weed. I wonder if there's any actual evidence that weed causes issues alongside such a med. I want them to cut back on their weed use, and we usually work on that, but I doubt many will quit altogether. Any thoughts? Berto, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Is that still recreational or is that dependent? Well, so uh, it's all linguistic. It just yeah. depends on how you how you define it. I guess know? I look at it. Um, well, what I, what would make the difference? Yeah. Okay. Here, so here's an example. I'm gonna take alcohol again. Uh, you ask someone like, do you do you have a problem with alcohol? And there's the usual questions like, does it cause you to have to apologize the next day? Has it caused you you know relationship problems? Uh, on and on. Has it affected your work? Have you had to miss work for being sick from all these kind of things? Yeah. So maybe I'd go along those lines. Uh, also, it could be about a frequency thing. Like, well, if someone drinks, well, now you're getting daily, a, now you're getting or, into morals. Because the first part of your bit makes total sense. If if it's making you have actual bad events happen in your life because of your use, then you know that's what we might uh, define as problem use. Yeah. But free, if frequency doesn't produce those negative. Oh yeah, effects, no, you're right. Uh, for frequency, maybe I, I'm just thinking about the health part. It's the same thing with cigarettes or alcohol. You know, a major part of this conversation that I think uh, patron Eric. Uh, is bumping up against and, and this other patron is is the moralistic stance in our society that says that marijuana is a bad thing and that smoking pot every day is a bad thing and the thing is is that pot like like you said on a scale of possible negative effects on your life when you compare it to alcohol it is it is probably like three percent what you know if if you ask a 25 year old you know, tell me some of the worst, you know, days of your life yeah. that have happened recently. Um, they're going to talk about hangovers. They're going to talk about uh, sex they didn't want to have. They're going to talk about puking. They're going to talk about things they said they shouldn't have said. They're going to talk about um, getting in a fight when they didn't want to get in a fight. And guess what? All those are going to be alcohol related and none of them are going to be pot related. So, uh, so that, that is something that needs to be considered. Um, when it comes to drug interaction, there's not a lot of research on it because marijuana was considered, and still is, by the way, a federal Schedule I drug. Anyway, the point is, is that there's not a lot of research on it, but there has been some, and there appears to be some drug interactions with MAOI antidepressants and marijuana. There is a possibility of heart rate problems by the way, you shouldn't be listening to me anyway. You should be talking, <laughs> talking to your prescriber. And I'll, plus, I'm not a medical professional. I, I do know a lot about psychotropics yeah. and other kinds of things, so I can speak to it. But um, the point is, is yeah, you should always be talking to your prescriber. I, um, I, another thing with SSRIs and pot is there, there doesn't seem to be any uh, risk of interaction between things like Prozac and marijuana. I, I will say... Um, my initial reaction about pot when I sort of started learning about what it could do and things like that was very negative because I didn't know that I knew people that smoked pot. Yeah. And I was much younger. But there was someone at work that I did know smoked pot. And this person was sort of a stereotypical pothead. Yeah. And, you know, they were sort of aloof and in meetings they would not be very focused they would appear sleepy and sort of like like just dazed and confused. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that's why you don't smoke pot. Right. Um, and I do think that if, you, if you're smoking on a regular basis and, uh, you know, and, and you let it 
sort of take over your days, maybe you're not going to be as effective in many cases at whatever things you do. But the but then as I learned over the years, it's like well, it's like any other substance that is not extremely like like it's maybe not like meth or something. But um, you don't know that there's people that do it all the time, right? It in terms of how we should see it is it if you smoked pot every night, which is usually what. Uh, the sort of chronic weed user, it's like every night after everything's, yeah. um, you know, put away or something after you know all their tasks are done. Um, there are there are people who smoke throughout the day, um, but there's probably a lot more people who smoke responsibly, so to speak, yeah. everyday people. For some reason, there's a big gap between those people and the next category, which is like. Once every two weeks, you know, there's not mm-hmm. a lot of people who smoke every other day. Yeah. You know, it's, it, there's, there's all, in my experience, there's like, there, there's a lot, there's, you either smoke very occasionally or you smoke every day. <laughs> and it, I mean, that is similar to alcohol in a way, right? Right. Yeah. It's yeah. similar. So the, the, the analogous situation to the smoke every night is someone who has, you know, two or three drinks a night. Yeah. So they do get buzzed nightly. Yeah, you know, but they're not like falling over right. and it's, you know, maybe an hour and a half before they go to sleep. The it, difference in the case I was mentioning is as if, imagine that before coming to work, they had a few drinks. Right, right. And at lunchtime, they have a couple of drinks. Right. And any pot user will say, if you're trying to function at work and you're, and you're you know, moderately high, uh, it's going to be hard. You know, yeah. it's going to be different. So, so. The other thing I'll say to this is that um, I emerged from a culture that very much demonized pot. You know, I saw that Ben Affleck commercial where he went crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, was it a Ben Affleck commercial? I think it was Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, you know, had all those thoughts, and and over time, I have slowly had to break my cultural notions around this. It's been a very slow process. Sure. To the point now where pot to me is so far from alcohol, right? And, you know, and I've seen people use it and have it actually enhance their life in a in a very real way. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's this temptation to say like, "Oh, you're just making excuses because you want to get high," right? Right. <laughs> you know, may, maybe there's some of that, but for for many people, it you know. Let me just put it this way. So you have heroin, you have Vicodin, you have crack, you have Adderall, you have Ritalin, you have caffeine, you have, you have nicotine, you have um, marijuana, and you have Prozac, and you have MAOIs, and you have melatonin. And, you, you know, all of these, if, if you could break down the name – and you get down to the molecule level, none of them look differently. <laughs> the heroin molecule, the, the, you know, the, the drug, um, the molecule that has an effect on you, ends up being, after it gets metabolized by your body, the exact same molecule that is in your Vicodin and your Percocets and your Oxycontins. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same. So imagine your doctor runs out of Vicodin, and he's like, well, there's heroin. Here's heroin. Yeah. People wouldn't take it. You know, here's a, here's a pill of heroin. Right. 
Um, and we figured out a way to administer heroin orally. No one would take it. They'd be like, heroin, that's crazy. Yeah, I'm not a heroin addict. It's the same thing. And no matter how hard I try to extract myself from that cultural construction, I will always have that remnant of what heroin is and what Vicodin is, you know what yeah. I mean? And so, um, but the more and more I try to, you know, break that down, the, the further I get down that road. Well, marijuana, the THC, uh, C, CBD, these, these psychoactive uh, molecules, they're just molecules, you know? And if for some reason, a hundred years ago, we weren't racist against Mexicans, we might actually have a culture because that because before it was it was um, uh, made illegal. Uh, it was it was given out in basically like coffee shops. You know, huh. you could go to a marijuana shop in New York City. They had like dozens of them, and you could just smoke some marijuana, like you could smoke some pipes, like some right. cigars, or you could have a drink or something. It was just it was just another one of those things, harmless little thing. My bigger point here is that I have. As my brain starts to adjust to the the perhaps the more rational view of cannabis, marijuana, I have found to have a very specific effect on people that is beneficial mm. in a way that you can't find with other substances. Wow. Things like um, anxiety relief, things like uh, ADHD management, things like um, antidepressant qualities, anti-pain, and again... Full disclosure, I don't smoke pot. Yeah. And I don't own any stock in pot, so I don't care. <laughs> You're just on crocodile. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so um, that's what I have to say about pot. Yeah. <laughs> any thoughts about that, brother? Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I, I think I had a similar evolution in drugs in general, uh, let alone with pot. I always felt they shouldn't be illegal. And I used to be very militant to the point where I had some stressful moments with friends uh, that did drugs in my 20s. Um, I sort of regret giving up the militant part because what happens is that they didn't understand. My, my main point was every time you're buying these, these illegal drugs, it's basically fucking my country up. And they would say, that's... Colombia. Yeah, Colombia. That's bullshit. I don't buy anything that comes from Colombia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was the, it's like nothing I buy comes from. Colombia. And I'm like, you don't get it. Right. And so we'd have these arguments and it got tense because I'm like, they would see it as like, you're just uptight. I'm like, no, it's not that. It's like, I feel you're literally part of the problem. And so anyway, so that was a big source of pain for me. And it's, and it actually still is. Uh, but, but then personally, I also had a lot of biases against, substances um ironically not alcohol which is a quite quite a damaging substance in abuse um but but pot i lumped with everything else yeah. probably because of the propaganda yeah the, i have recently in my doctorate i studied a lot on substances i took electives and substances and because it was just so i was i was just so interested in learning yeah. more about it um i also because they gave out free samples yeah yeah, that's how that's how doctorates work. Um, and I also did a rotation for a year full time at a at a chemical dependency center, mm. and worked with heroin addicts and you know everyone. And 
that was sort of the last straw that broke the camel's back where I was finally like, oh, because for many Americans, they have never they have they've never known anyone who took uh, heroin Mm -hmm. or they didn't know they knew. Yeah, right. They didn't know they knew. Right. And so there's all these weird notions that get thrown around, you know, like hair, like you see it in movies, you know, like you inject it. And then, like, they take off into the sky, yeah. you know, and they hear weird lights. Like, it's hard to depict uh, drug feelings in a movie. Right. And so people will resort to psychedelia, you know. So, and it's like, I had a very weird notion of what heroin did to you. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, all the famous musicians, uh, Charlie Parker, right. uh, you, know, uh, you know, all of them, right? Just Hendrix, know. everyone. Yeah. It was just like... Man, you know, it must be this really dangerous, cool drug. No, it it's it's Vicodin. Yeah, all of everyone has taken a pain pill, an opioid. Yeah, you know, you you take it and you're just like, whoa, you know, I don't have any worries right now, and I don't I don't feel any pain. I'm relaxed. I'm kind of tired, and you know, everything's just kind of cool. Yeah, it's not. It's it's just that. That's that's the feeling of heroin. Just and accentuated. <laughs> no, it's the same. The only problem with it is that your body gets rid of heroin very quickly. Mm-hmm. So you crash real fast. And so you have to maybe dose like two or three times a day, maybe four times. That's why heroin is so terrible is because you've got to get your fix multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. The other problem is with heroin is that it's impossible to know how much you're putting in you. So that's why so many people die from it because, you know, it's something that's cut and distributed illegally. Right. And whereas a pill, it's, you know, it's measured scientifically, yeah. you know, five milligrams of this and that. Whereas with heroin, it's like God knows. And so people accidentally take too much. Anyway, the point is, is like heroin, once I like, exp- like talk to heroin addicts and actually saw them high on heroin, I was like, oh, I get it. Heroin is it, not PCP. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like there, there are drugs that are kind of still weird to me, like PCP, yeah, for instance. Angel dust. Bath salts and stuff, yeah. <laughs> my, my larger sort of point here is that this is a garbage pile of an episode. <laughs> and also that the more – if, you, if, if you're confused about – if you're a clinician in particular, um, I hope you already have, if you haven't already, expose yourself to actual users – perhaps even while they're using so that you get an idea or even just f- try to find analogies in your life or use it yourself to find out what it's really like, you know? Right. Cause then it just, it really takes it down a peg. You know, you're just like, Oh, I get it. It's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? It's not like this big, scary thing. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, when you're not a drug user, it can feel like this really threatening, horrible, scary thing. Yeah. Or when you, accidentally overdose as your first experience. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that does it for that garbage pile of an episode. Um, you know, we made one of these garbage pile episodes a, f- a few weeks ago, and we asked people to let us know if they liked it. Yeah. And a number of you actually wrote in. You took the time to write in and said <laughs> you actually like it. So this is all your fault. This is you. This is for you. That does it for that episode. I did it all for you, Damien. Of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs>